Welcome to episode 23 of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. Today, Keith continues a series of conversations about working with strong personalities. Welcome to Leadership in Context, a conversation on leadership in the context of the local church. For show notes, email podcast at nrpastors.com. And now here's Keith Tusi. Last week, we talked about dealing with strong personalities. We referenced Acts 15, where Paul and Barnabas were uh, having a, a great uh, a conflict that separated their ministries. And we talked about dealing with strong personalities. Uh, I gave you my opinion that I'd rather deal with wildfire than no fire. I didn't say it like that, but that's really what it boils down to for me. Uh, I'd rather try to control a fire than try to rub two sticks together under somebody. Uh, I see a lot of leadership wasting a lot of time trying to motivate people that don't want to get on fire and avoiding people that are on fire because they look like they may be too much work going forward. I did emphasize that somebody with strong opinions, ideas, and strategies needs to also have strong morals and commitment and trust and all those things, but we need to be very clear with them. Uh, on those issues so that if they need to improve, that they know what they're working on. They can put their attention on that. Uh, So today I want to pick up on those ideas and just follow through and give you a little more uh, fuel in the tank. I think how a senior leader, a business leader, handles strong personalities Uh, may be one of the defining marks of their fruitfulness and their ultimate success. Because hopefully God will give you some good, strong personalities, and we also know that there could be some bad, strong personalities. But I think it's very, very critical that we do not write everybody off that uh, tends to speak a little louder or speak a little clearer or may have a lot of ideas, some good, some bad, but that we learn to embrace those things and filter them out, and empower those people to do something for God. So let's say you're in a discussion with somebody that has a strong idea. they got a strong opinion about something. It could be like how to run the prayer meeting. It could be how to pave the parking lot. It could be how to raise money. It could be about, you know, how the media presentation is working on Sunday morning. Uh, Everybody's cringing right now because you've heard opinions and all these things, right? But here is a good practice to really check yourself on. When you're having these discussions, do you have the ability to keep it on one item at a time? In other words, the guy's talking about the multimedia presentation and how it's really a little bit sloppy or it's too long or it's too short or it's too loud or it's too quiet or whatever it is. Uh, Can you keep the discussion on that without talking about, oh yeah, but when you led your small group or you know, the last time you were in charge of something. Now, those are valid issues if they're character issues about, you know, following through. But on the front end, don't shut down the idea. Well, how does that work then? Well, let's say the guy has a really good idea about multimedia, but yet when he was running a small group or still is, he's, you know, he's dropping the ball on some things. So what you do is you get him to that point and say, okay, this is a really good idea and I'd like to execute it, but here's what needs to happen first. Before I trust you with something else, I need to see you pick up the ball on what you already agreed to do. 
In other words, don't put the cart before the horse. Don't automatically shut down the idea or the opinion or the strategy because the person has stubbed their toe on something, but let them, in a sense, define what they're willing to do. And you know what? I've had it happen many times. I literally have had people come to me, had good ideas. I thought they even had maybe the gift mix to pull it off, but there was still something hanging out there. And all I did was give them a simple task that was real clear, and they couldn't follow through and get it done. Well, to me, that made the decision easy. I was released from it. Now, if they went back and they did that, they cleared it up. And sometimes it was even people issues, quite frankly. You know, if I'm going to let you go to this next step, you know, the last thing you were involved in, three of the people on your team quit or didn't want to play ball with you anymore because, you know, you you were so sloppy or you didn't uh, tell them what was going on or you overrode their wills or you didn't take their input or you didn't ask their input or you didn't want input or, or whatever it may be. But go back and get that fixed and then move on. So keep the discussion about the thing at hand. This is just so critical. This enables you to really bear down on the details of it and not just talk in some ethereal terms about it. So discipline yourself. You know that person's coming in to talk to you or you want to talk to them. Try to stay on the fact of that thing and analyze that idea as a standalone idea. All right? Here's a good way to do it. As you're sitting talking to them, ask yourself this question. If this was coming from my most faithful, loyal, productive, from the best person in the church, if I was hearing the same idea or the same criticism, whatever it may be, would I give it more credence? Hmm, that's a good checklist, okay? Because that idea or even criticism could be coming through somebody that you may not want to hear from, but it may be really good, all right? The second thing I want to mention to you is this, and this is hard, but it's critical. Avoid suspicion. There are certain people that they can conjure that up in other people. So again, do not ascribe motive. Like what is this person's motive? First of all, just clarify the idea or clarify the criticism. And then if you have a legitimate concern about their motivation, put that on the table. Again, you remember I, I mentioned that strong people, you've got to look in the eye, you can't give them hints. Put that motivation on the table. Okay, whatever that, or that suspicion, excuse me, put that on the table. Say, well, I'm just concerned that what you really want, you just like to be in front of people, or you just want to draw people after yourself, or you're just trying to prove that you can do it. What, whatever your suspicion is, if, if it really is real, and after you've heard the idea, then to be a leader, you've got to put that suspicion on the table. You've got to put it down and say, listen, here is my concerns. And you can do it as redemptively as you can. Don't make an accusation. Don't make a statement. Ask a question. Are there any, you could say it like this. Is there anything in you about this that where you just feel like you, you're being driven to want to be up front or you're being driven to have the last word or, or you're trying to prove to somebody else that, who said you couldn't do it that you can do it? You can ask that question that way. It's a lot better. But if you do have a legitimate suspicion, then I think it's time after you've analyzed the idea or the concern to really put that on a table in as graceful a way as you can to do it. And the last thing I want to talk to you about today is this. It's fear. We have not been given a spirit of fear. You cannot be led by the spirit and be fearful. 
And many times I sense fear in leaders. Not concern, not disturbment, not stewardship. Good old-fashioned, from the pit of hell, fear. Okay? Fear of losing control. Fear of not knowing what the next thing to do is. All right? Fear is not a teacher. Fear is not a tutor. Fear will not lead us into the purposes of God. Matter of fact, I heard somebody say once, and I believe it's biblical, that if you really love something, you're not afraid of it. Perfect love casts out all fear. So if we're really loving the work and really loving what God has called us to do and really even loving the people around us, then we should not be afraid. Now, if we've got a legitimate issue that needs to be put on the table, then bam, put it on the table. But do not walk in a spirit of fear. It's unhealthy. And the first thing that needs to happen is that we need to get alone with God and ask him, why are we fearful of releasing things to people? Why are we fearful of taking risk? Why are we fearful of giving chances to people? And here's one of my divine suspicions. We fall into a situation, whether it's a business or a church, where we actually begin to believe that it's ours and we're not the steward of it. And we act like it's ours. We start acting like managers. And you know what managers do? Managers are good. Managers are critical. But managers cut losses. Managers do not run risks. They cut losses. They make sure everything is going to go right. And if it's not going to go right, they'd rather not have it at all. A leader is going to say, this is a great opportunity. It's worth running the risk. We're going to put ourselves out there. We're going to do something a little bit edgy. And it's going to require some edgy people to do it. Okay, that's the difference between a manager and a and a leader. But as a leader of, of a business or of, of a ministry, of a church, of a ministry in the church, you cannot operate in a spirit of fear. You can't be afraid of loss all the time. You've got to be so saturated and so impassioned and so enthralled and so engaged as what is there to gain. What is there to gain? You know, I always tell people the most common denominator with millionaires is they've all lost a million dollars. Why? Because they're not afraid to lose something because they think there's all these potential gains out there. They think there's another hundred ways to make a million dollars. Maybe they're right or maybe they're wrong, but they're convinced of it. So most millionaires you meet, most of them have probably lost a million dollars because they believe in risk and reward. They're not afraid to run the risk in order to gain something rather than just sit on something. And I think it's high time in the church, our leadership, we are so impassioned about winning and gaining that we're willing to run some risks. Now, I'm not talking about character shortcuts in people, but I am talking about giving people some room to move and empowering people, letting them get out there, trying to give them the tools they need to get the job done. Because fear will paralyze the best people. Fear will see all the negative things in the best people. Fear will come up with the one reason why you shouldn't do this one thing. Do not be motivated by fear. Let there be an atmosphere that is full of faith. That's an equipping atmosphere. That's an empowering atmosphere. I want to encourage you, do not run from those strong personalities. Be one of those people that those strong personalities feel like they can vent on, they can talk to, they can give opinions to without you just shutting them down, okay? Hey, this is Keith Tusi, and thanks for being with us on Leaderships in Context. God bless you.
Today, Keith continued a series of conversations about working with strong personalities. Many leaders waste a lot of time motivating people who don't want to get on fire and avoiding people who are on fire because they are afraid. Let's stop rubbing two sticks together to light a fire under someone and embrace the wildfires that God has placed in our midst. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at innerpastors.com. If you would like more information, check out our website, innerpastors.com. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at innerpastors. See you next week.